Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Passholders Guide podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm here to share some tips, tricks, and secrets to the theme park capital of the world. You may be wondering, who am I? I am a Florida native, a Central Florida local, and I've been a seasonal or annual passholder to every theme park here in the Central Florida area. Not to mention I used to work for one. Each show, I'll be here to entertain you, maybe even educate you on a particular topic, as well as go over some up-to-date news and announcements at each park. Lastly, we're going to have story time. Those are going to be some cast member, team member, and ambassador stories. Hopefully, we can throw in some interviews, some other tidbits, and I can uh, bring you one hell of a show. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me. If this is your first show, thank you for listening. If it's not your first show, thank you so much for coming back. The last few months have been busy from the holidays and some other major life events, uh, but I am back and we're going to go escape the I-4 corridor and journey about 60 miles east to where I grew up. That is Brevard County. More, more importantly, the Brevard Zoo. I have been a pass holder at this zoo for the last year and did not take enough advantage of it. This is my problem, it's not yours, but every now and then we need to get away from the big parts and see what else is available. So here we go. Now I know it's not a theme park, but the Brevard Zoo is a gem in Central Florida and has been entertaining guests ever since 1994. I had the pleasure of growing up less than a mile from there and have seen it grow throughout the years. The community helped fund the zoo, and it was built by over 16,000 people, most of which were volunteers, and now spans over 75 acres, with most of the land being donated by Duda and Sons. A unique feature of the zoo is the pathway, which are bricks laid into concrete, but the bricks were decorated by local school children. I was one of those kids, but don't ask me where mine is because I never found it. You can contribute to the expansion of the zoo now, and you can get your name carved into one of the boards in the Africa section. The original sections of the zoo were split into Asia, Africa, and a kid section. One of the biggest draws at the time was a large population of alligators and crocodiles in the same waterway. Well, they were separated by a fence, but of course... The kitty area in the beginning consisted of a splash area, a larger-than-life tortoise burrow, and my personal favorite, a speed tester, where you could race lights that would represent different animal speeds. Now, I know everyone who's seen me now or heard the, the podcast where I tell you I'm quite a large guy goes, well, you used to race? And I, well, 
it was a different time in my life. And uh, yes, trying to race in alligator lights, you know, not having to zigzag was kind of fun. The Kitia area also had a large wooden playground that had beehive-shaped structures and a large sand pit where you could dig up dinosaur bones. These sections have changed over the years, and the Australia section was added in 96, and the Africa section had, uh, was moved and expanded in 2003. The zoo now includes a kayak course, a treetop zipline course, a train with almost 200 species and around 900 animals. Let's take a look at the different sections of the zoo now. Unlike Epcot, we're going to go counterclockwise, which also represents how these sections were added. As you walk in, you can immediately head to the kitty area. Uh, you walk into a splash pad with two shallow ponds, which is great for the kids to get wet and have fun, but it's not too deep that the, the adults can't wade in and join in in that fun. A cool feature is one of those little ponds comes up right next to a five-foot-tall fish tank, which represents the Indian River Lagoon. You can find a lot of these same species, uh, fish, uh, stingrays. They even say there's little uh, little crabs, uh, horseshoe crabs in there as well. I haven't found any of them yet. But that is uh, represents the waterway between the mainland and the barrier island that runs most of the length of Brevard County. The other side of the kids' area is a humongous tortoise den, and that's big enough for kids to walk through, and, well, adults can walk through too if you want to bend over, uh, but takes you up to a second story where you can take a look around at the petting zoo right next to it. The petting zoo has goats, alpacas. Another cool part around the front of the park is the Wildlife Detective Center, which is also part veterinary hospital, you know, in training, where kids can uh, heal stuffed animals, and uh partake in the reptile exhibit there and the best part is it's air conditioned it's one of the only parts that are air conditioned in this zoo so it's a nice place to cool down especially mid-afternoon when uh, the kids are getting too hot continuing around the zoo we now come to the la selva rainforest you pass by the crocodile pit and move to the south america part of the zoo you start with multiple snakes in one exhibit where you get to see a picture of them and play Where's Waldo and trying to find them. Moving past that, you come up to several different kinds of monkeys like squirrel monkeys and cotton top tamarins, as well as jungle cats such as a bobcat and jaguar. What's unique about this area is a few of the enclosures have tunnels that run above your head. These tunnels run to different parts of the exhibits where these animals can move around freely and it's also cool just seeing a jaguar lounging right above you. Now, being over six foot tall, I may have tried to reach up and pet them, but alas, I was too short, and well, it's highly frowned upon, so it may begin. I may have been smacked by my wife, said, don't do that. Um, this section loops around through a water park where you get to see giant otters swimming around and uh, also has a very cool closed aviary, which showcases a lot of different bird species. The Wild Florida section is up next, and the focus is on the nature that you can find around the Sunshine State. Walking in, you go between the alligator and crocodile pit, and it brings you face-to-face -face with the native wildlife. Starting with the deer, which are much smaller here in Florida than up north, since, you know, they don't have to, you know, fend... Starting with the deer, which are much smaller here in Florida because they do not have to survive, you know, harsh winters like they do up north. Uh, some river otters, which are smaller than the giant otters. And the main focus, the black bears. 
there are two cubs there named Brody and Cheyenne. Uh, they were both rescues from other parts of Florida, where Brody was found as a cub abandoned on a hiking trail in the midst of winter, where if it, uh, wildlife officials had not intervened, he probably would have froze that night. And Cheyenne, who was on her own and could not fend for herself, was rather small and became dependent on humans to survive. Both of these female bears help entertain and educate people on how to live in areas common to find bear and how to keep yourself from harming a bear's ability to survive. Now, alrighty, guys, we are at the halfway point of this zoo, and after all we've been through, you might be a little hungry. That's great because this is where the food section of the park is. Uh, you can find the normal you know, theme park foods such as deli sandwiches, burgers, hot dogs, and assorted sides and candy. Now, pricing and portion sizes are right on par. Uh, you know, you get, a, you get a bang for your buck right there. Uh, and the line does move pretty quick, so it's highly recommended to stop there, take a load off. Also, while you're right there, you can find an icy stand and a dip and dot stand, which are always a favorite with my daughter. After eating, you may need to sit for a few moments, and what better place to do it at the train station, which is right behind the concession stand. It's not a long train, but it does take you to a few of the behind-the-scenes areas and a separate part of the zoo, which is only accessible by the train. You get a close-up view of a few different animals, such as camels, zebras, and maybe a few other animals that need to be separated for their health reasons. Alrighty, after eating, we're on to the last two sections of the park. You start with the Lands of Change, Australia, and more. Now, that is where you can see some of the things that would try to kill you if you actually went to Australia, uh, such as Komodo dragons, wild boar, and emu. Now, the cool, there are two cool sections in this area, the first being a walkthrough with kangaroos. Now, you do not get to pet them, unfortunately, but they are free to hop around and, uh, you know, cross your path, maybe even found laying in your path, you know, soaking up some shade that is uh, provided by the two solar panels uh, that can be found there, provided by the power companies. I believe it was FPNL, it may have been Duke, I'm not sure. Across from the Kangaroo Walk, you do have two aviaries where you can buy little cups of food. And if you're not too scared, try to walk around and feed the birds on the two different sides. Now, if you're not easily startled and have the courage, you can even uh, get these birds to stand on your finger while they eat. The last section we're going to explore is the Expedition Africa. This part has animals of all sizes, starting with the meerkat troop and the burrows that they dig, family of cheetah, and uh, rhinos wallowing in the mud. All of this pales in comparison to the tallest animals in the park, the stars of the show, the giraffes. Now the trek to the end of Expedition Everest is a lot of uphill ramps, and that is because you come face to face with the giraffes. No more standing on the ground level and looking up. You get to see their 20 plus inch prehensile tongue firsthand while you get to feed them with food that can be bought there. The animals can come and go as they please in this extra large savanna, but normally one or two is sticking their heads in to see what kind of snacks are available. Now this area can get crowded, so it is suggested you visit often to see who's around. Brevard Zoo is home to eight giraffes, and their stud male has produced ten calves with two females, 
helping the giraffe's numbers. It is estimated to be less than 100,000 in the wild due to deforestation and the myth that eating their brains can help prevent HIV and AIDS. Now, the captive population does help give researchers subjects to study to see what they can do to help this wild population. Now, you may be thinking that after a few trips, uh, you may have seen and done it all, but that's where you're wrong. There are extra adventures to go on, including a kayak trek around the Africa part, a wetland paddleboat trip in the Florida section, and also the treetop trek. The treetop trek has a max of 14 zip lines with a massive 600-foot zip across the wetlands for the finale. Prices for those extras vary, but most get a discount for being a member. Kayaking is $10, BOGO for members, Rhino Encounter is $30, $20 for members, and the treetop trek is up to $55 depending on how much you want to do. The biggest perk is the Brevard Zoo is included in a partnership across the country, which having a membership to one gets you a 50% admission discount to over 100 locations in North America. That does include Canada and Mexico. The zoos depend on our patronage to educate and fund their conservation efforts. As we all know, feeding a two-ton rhino can get pricey. Single-day tickets start from $25 for uh, anyone age 12 and up, $15 for kids 3 to 11, and membership starts at $100 and goes up from there the more that you include. See BrevardZoo.org for more. Alrighty, guys, it has been a while since we got some news out there. Let's take a look at this uh, park by park, starting with SeaWorld. Last month, SeaWorld finally introduced us to Icebreaker, a multi-launch negative drop coaster right next to Shamu Stadium. It starts you off by launching you backwards up an incline, letting you fall forward but not yet making it over that first hill. As you rock back, it launches you higher up that 100 degree negative incline. Then with all that momentum built up and a final push forward, you make it over that first hill and enjoy the rest of the coaster. Now Icebreaker needed some more ice to be introduced, so SeaWorld brought out the one, the only, Rob Van Winkle, aka Vanilla Ice, for the weekend's festivities. The first 75 guests to ride got a signed shirt. Also at SeaWorld, we have the Seven Seas Food Festival going on now, uh, starting in February 4th till May 8th, including 50 different food options, 75 wine pairings, and over 75 craft beers. Now, this event is only Thursday through Sunday and will evolve with the coming holidays like, like St. Patrick's Day and Cinco de Mayo. Now, SeaWorld's cousin down I-4, Bush Gardens, is also opening a roller coaster on March 11th called Iron Gwazi. It's a hybrid coaster with a wood frame and an iron track. It is North America's tallest, fastest, and steepest hybrid coaster, topping 200 feet, reaching speeds over 70 miles an hour. Uh, Universal Studios has a few things going on. The Jurassic Park River Adventure closed for refurb, uh, with focus on upgrading the T-Rex, who looked like it had a turkey neck. Uh, some say it, would, it was fine because dinosaurs evolved into birds, but it didn't look right. Now the, the weather is warming up, I'll be able to go take a look for myself. 
Other rides that have closed were uh, Dudley Do-Right's Ripsaw Falls, which just opened up uh, this past weekend, and Bluto's Bilge Rat Barges uh, closed down uh, at the same time the Ripsaw Falls opened. Uh, we also have the Mummy closed right now, and fans are worried that they are removing Brendan Fraser from the queue line. Uh, they better not until he gets his cup of coffee! While that ride is down, they have turned the gift shop into a universal monster shop featuring all the classics like Dracula, the Wolfman, and many others. Pictures of that coming soon to the Instagram page. Some rides have still not returned uh, from the COVID shutdown, and Poseidon's Fury is one of them. The construction walls have gone up recently, crews have been seen giving a fresh coat of paint, and uh, the water features for the entrance sign have been back on, um, and we can only speculate that it's going to be opening any day now. Now those rides have closed for refurb, other rides have shut down completely. Shrek 4D has come to a close, and the signs have started coming down. The last group to ride got to keep their 3D glasses, and fans joined afterwards to sing All Star one last time before the ogre retired. The 3D glasses are still available, uh, but they are for sale if you like a pair. They're down in the prop shop next to Mel's Diner. Now, uh, we're, do we're done with all the downers now. Let's talk about some uh, what more stuff going on. Executives had said construction for Epic Universe has restarted, and the fourth Universal theme park should be opening in 2025. More good news is Mardi Gras is in full effect now through April 24th. Guests can enjoy food options from all around the world, all around Universal Studios. Uh, you can also visit the Tribute Store, which is themed after a float factory, uh, enjoy a nightly parade with beads, and a concert every Saturday night. Past, past artists have included Sugar Ray and Diana Ross. Upcoming artists include LL Cool J, Marshmello, country star Lee Bryce, and it all wraps up with Jason Dorillo. Disney has been busy the last few months, so let's take a look at it park by park. Starting at Epcot, the iFarts has passed... <laughs> And the Flower and Garden Festival starts today, well, as of my day of recording, March 2nd. It will be going on through the 4th of July. They have 20 different booths for you to visit, and food guide links can be found on the Facebook page. With the Flower and Garden Festival comes the Garden Rock series and in the America Pavilion, including Rick Springfield, Cool in the Gang, and Plain White Tees. Also since the last show, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure has gone to a standby queue instead of a virtual queue. Outside of Epcot, they are doing construction for on Epcot Center Drive, so make sure you watch out for road signs and any kind of detours as you're going to the parks. At Animal Kingdom, they have announced the Animal Experience Tours are coming back, and maybe on one of those tours that you can get a glimpse of the new baby rhino that is welcomed recently. That will be something to do since the refurb of Expedition Everest has been extended until May. I hope they're finally fixing the Yeti, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. In the north of, uh, of Disney, the Magic Kingdom parking trams are once again rolling. Uh, the long walk from your car to TTC just got a lot easier, or, well, maybe the trip from TTC to your car at the end of the night got a lot easier. The Festival of Fantasy is coming back next week, starting March 9th. The 3 o'clock parade will not be at 3 o'clock. It will be at 11.30 and 2.30, and then starting March 13th, it will be a noon and 3 p.m. parade. Speculation that the split times will be to help discourage massive crowds and allow those who can park hop after 2pm a chance to catch it before their window opens. The Castle Show is back as well, updated with uh, to include Frozen, Tangled, and The Princess and the Frog, and will end with Mickey in his ear-adescent 50th anniversary attire. 
Other news is construction is making progress at Tron's light cycle, and the train that has been shut down because of the construction at Tron's light cycle has been seen testing. No official opening date has been announced. Well, speaking of opening dates, Disney's chief corporate affairs officer, Jeff Morell, posted on Twitter that he got a test ride of the new Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, and it's going to open May 30th, Memorial Day. Well, that tweet was quickly deleted and then updated with a, oh, coming soon message. So, no official opening date, but we're pretty sure it's going to be May 30th now. Hollywood Studios is up next, and the citizens of Hollywood are back. It was unexpected, and one day they just showed up like they never left. Toy Story is one of the newest lands and is missing something. A sit-down restaurant. Well, here comes Woody's Lunchbox, and it's a barbecue-themed restaurant with booths that resemble the Toy Story Mania vehicles. Aerosmith's rock and roller coaster guitar was covered up for a short time, and that led to speculation that the band would be replaced. Online cries uh, were calling for Powerline from the Goofy movie. Uh, I don't think that would be a good replacement. I think Aerosmith is perfect there, but what do you think? As far as resorts go, the last resort to reopen is going to be the All-Star Sports, with an opening date of March 31st. At the Contemporary, the Wave Restaurant has closed and reopened as Steakhouse 71, which dazzles guests with pictures of early Disney World. Also, Disney has ended the Magical Express to Orlando International Airport, and Mears has continued the service at a cost to the consumer. The Sunshine Flyers are themed like old locomotives and offer round-trip service for $34 for an adult and $25 for a child. Children 2 and under can ride on the lap of an adult. Now, general park news are masks are no longer required for a vaccinated guest, except on transportation. So the monorail, ferry boat, and buses are still mask required. Unvaccinated guests are still expected to wear masks indoors, uh, and that goes for guests and cast members. New strollers for rent are now out and themed like Mickey and Minnie with the classic red and black. Food prices are going up, portion sizes are going down. Disney claims this is for the health of their guests, but I speculate it has something to do with rising prices, inflation, and supply chain issues. Not to mention Bob Paycheck, I mean Chappick, and his ever-increasing prices, such as multi-day tickets. Extended stays at Disney World are now increasing for the four-day and longer tickets, most rising about $150 per person. We all know price increases are coming, so it is suggested that if you can you know, financially swing it, go ahead and book that trip to Disney World, as doing so will lock in the current price and it only requires a small deposit where if you cancel that greater than 60 days out, you do get a full refund. So it's better to lock in those lower costs if you can swing it. Now I saved the best for last. The Galactic Star Cruiser is on its maiden voyage for guests. The media tours were at the end of February, and guest first trip left for space on March 1st. Expectations were low, and many reservations for the first three months were canceled. But now the news is coming that the first four months are booked solid, so it must be meeting and exceeding expectations. More and more is coming out every flight, and uh, it's only expected for reservations to reach much, much farther. Now, cruises start at $4,800 for a pair of adults, and a group of, uh, a group of three adults and one child tops out at 
$1,000. Now, special clothing is available for, and it does come with new magic bands for your stay. Stay tuned for more info as it comes out. I'll be sharing that and uh, showing you guys the best of the best. Now you can keep more up to date on with the Facebook page at Passholders Guide Podcast, or check out the more fun side of it on Instagram at Passholders underscore Guide. Alrighty, everybody, this episode's tip is going to come as, once again, another review. So recently, if you have been paying attention to the Facebook page, I did have a live broadcast of the Universal Studios Mardi Gras Parade. Uh, It was about a 20-minute parade, and without even trying, we caught about four dozen beads. So I don't know what I'm going to do with them all now, but you know what? They're mine. I had a blast getting them. Now, the food at Universal Studios is awesome. It combines their International Food Festival from last year and uh, a lot of the uh, Creole tastings uh, that you would expect to go with Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras, we did expect to uh, partake in some libations, so we were staying on, well, technically off property. We did check out the new Endless Summer Dockside Resort. That is one of the twin resorts just off of Universal property. Technically on Universal Boulevard, conveniently, it's going to be right in between Universal's main property and the new Epic Universe. I expect a lot more hotels to be popping up around along that, that route. But the theming of this hotel was awesome. The first walk-in you do, it kind of looks like you're under the dock to, to check in. Uh, different rocks there and uh, different wooden structures throughout the cafeteria area Um, the only real downfall of that main lobby area is the cafeteria entrance is rather small and uh, can get kind of crowded especially with uh, the big crowds that were there there this weekend exactly what you would expect from a uh, universal resort the theme to the tea uh, blue covers to represent the water and pictures on the walls uh, that remind you of uh, the, the whole surfside theming the showers were had a, a bow out on them. They are glass, semi-rounded uh, doors that roll open, but that extra space for a guy who's 6'4 and you know has pretty wide shoulders allows you to easily move around the shower. Well, not to mention, being 6'4 in that shower, I did not have to duck to get under the, uh, the nozzle. That is a nice touch. It's not something anybody who's over six foot is used to. You know, we're used to having to duck under just to wash our hair. And nope, this one was plenty high. And uh, got to see what most most women feel like when they take a shower. Uh, the views were great. Uh, we had a poolside view, uh, fourth floor of their 12 and it uh, overlooking a nice awesome pool unfortunately it was too quick of a trip to, for us to partake but it did look like they had a uh, a sand entrance and it was uh, many different sections of the area lots of places to sit down and a nice a nice poolside bar that you can go to uh, the only real downfall i had of the entire weekend were the beds were just not that comfortable um uh, it's probably more of you know 
personal preference. I like a nice pillow top, very soft bed. I like to sink into it. And these uh, beds at the dockside were meant for somebody who prefers a more firm surface to sleep on. So uh, maybe a little bit of tossing and turning and could have just been the anticipation for going to the parks for Mardi Gras the next day, but not a lot of sleep was had. Still, I would recommend it. Uh, the price point is uh, that of what Disney would call a value resort and does not break the bank and it was a very nice resort for the money you did pay for this trip. So, during the Mardi Gras celebration, I did find uh, a few quiet places and that's what I wanted to tell you guys about. Don't forget to take it easy every now and then. It is go, go, go during festival season. Try all the booze, eat all the food, drink all the drinks, but you gotta sit down. You gotta relax every now and then. And I did find two little, you know, areas that were out of the way where you could just relax. Now, the first one is behind uh, Louis' restaurant, the Italian section in the uh, well, the Italian restaurant in the New York section of Universal Studios. The seating goes all the way back, and we just hit it perfect timing, 5.30, 6 o'clock. The sun was setting, offered a lot of shade, no cover needed, and we just sat there enjoying the meatball slider that was available at Louis' restaurant and uh, sipping our orange dreamsicle uh, drinks, and it was incredibly nice. A resting area I found is over by E.T.'s Adventure. You have the SpongeBob store and right next to it is the Woody Woodpecker themed restaurant. Typically it's a pizza restaurant. Well, it, uh, during the Mardi Gras festival, it is a nice place to get a delicious chimichurri and chorizo sandwich that I thoroughly enjoyed. But the side seating, I had only ever really seen a front seating that puts you right out in front with everybody. The side seating goes rather far back behind it and offers another nice semi-quiet place to sit down and enjoy a meal, enjoy a snack, or just, well, get off your feet for a few minutes. So enjoy the parks, but don't forget to enjoy the scenery and uh, take it easy while you're there. Alrighty, everybody, this week's story comes as a secondhand story. I got to talking to a gentleman uh, at my place of business, and he told me that he was a team member for Universal, and he was one of the parking attendants. He was one of those guys you pull up to every time you enter at the, uh, at the toll booths and pay your money to go park. Except he was sharing some of his stories of how some guests just don't understand you have to stop to pay to park. And... These had a few uh, tales of people just running straight through. They had to send security after them or people just not slowing down and hitting the speed bumps there at uh, incredibly high speeds and messing up their cars. One of the uh, interesting things he shared with me was when he was fairly new, he had a team member. Well, this guy was a former team member. He just didn't know it yet that was trying to use his ID to go and park for a day at the parks, and he had to stop them and basically, well, it doesn't sound good, but detain them from leaving while security was called. 
Now, the gentleman I was talking to was not a very uh, big in stature person and uh, not intimidating at all. So him trying to keep a car of uh, somebody who's like, uh, dude, you're wasting my time there for 15 minutes while security was able to escort them off property was not the best of times for him. So uh, very entertaining. And if you guys know any other friends, family, acquaintances that worked at a theme park, have worked at a theme park, uh, please let the Tell them about the Facebook page, Instagram, or give them the email address, passholdersguidepodcast at gmail.com. I want to hear their stories. I want to, you know, compare stories from uh, their times in the parks, my times in the parks, and just get to know what the cast and team and ambassadors go through to bring us the magical times we have. That's everything for this episode of the Passholders Guide podcast. Thank you for joining me. I hope I've left you with some tips, tricks, or secrets to make your park experience better. In the meantime, join us on Facebook or Instagram at the Passholders Guide podcast, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button for alerts on the latest episodes. Until I see you again, have a safe time at the parks.